Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's special guest is the CEO and co-founder of Three Good Buds and the CEO, creator, and editor-at-large for Fat Nugs Magazine. He has been a lifelong cannabis advocate and growing up in a large military family that consumed cannabis to treat mental and physical health issues made sure of that. He's also been a daily cannabis consumer since 1995 and has operated in the legal and traditional side of the plant for decades. And so without further ado, Dustin Hawksworth, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Great, great intro there. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Whoever wrote that is a genius. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I should give him a pay raise. <laughs> right, I don't. Well, yeah. dude, I'm I'm excited we finally got to got to do this. I know I know a lot's been been happening, a lot of good things anyway. Um, so man, let's just let's take it from the top, right? How did you actually where did you start out career-wise? And how did you end up going from wherever that was to the place that you are now with with three good buds and fat nugs? And forgive me if I'm missing any other, you know, organizations that are, or companies that you're affiliated with. No, you're good. I mean, I'm affiliated with a bunch of, of companies and organizations, I guess, at this point. But uh, you're right. My main things are Fat Nugs Magazine and as the co-founder of Three Good Buds. So it's been a very, very long journey, to be honest with you, to get here. Um, went through all kinds of really weird shit, but spent 14 years, you know, after I graduated college, spent, and I actually did graduate college. And I, yes, I am a stoner and I graduated college. <laughs> um, you know, after I spent 14 years in hell, uh, also known as corporate America, uh, doing things, running programs for very large companies like uh, Apple, Abercrombie and Fitch, Home Depot, Lowe's, CenturyLink, and the list goes on and on. Um, a lot of data programs, a lot of customer data programs, um, and just really customer-centric stuff was what I focused on for a very long time. I ended up getting fired, I call it shit-canned, from my last job back in 2018. And my best friend, his name is Chris Birdsong, happens to be one of the greatest filmmakers in the world. He was tired of seeing me get my ass handed to me in the corporate world because um, just like a lot of us these days, <clears throat> I went through sort of that dichotomy for those 14 years of putting on a you know button down, looking real nice and sharp, uh, going into an office to pretend to be someone else and pretend to act like I cared about what I was doing uh, and acted like I cared about anything about the company whatsoever. Uh, and to be honest with you, it was a, a total nightmare for me for a decade and a half. And it caused a lot of panicky situations, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, I remember being in tears on the way to and from work uh, a lot. Uh, and my job was a lot, there was a lot of pressure in my job, but I just sucked at my job, which made everything harder for me. So, and it's, you know, I have some things that uh, I deal with that make things a little bit harder. Uh, but, you know, I, I just didn't fit in the, in the corporate world. So when my buddy Bird brought me into the film industry and introduced me to you know, of a lot of very creative, very smart, very kind people, really cool, different people. Um, it was the first time I'd ever been in uh, 
in a place where, you know, everybody was very creative and everyone made money off of their creativity. Mm -hmm. And it sort of blew me away because I'd never been in a situation like that before. Everyone had brought something to the table different, um, you know, that was needed to build what we were building. And I worked on some of the largest things and coolest stuff you could ever want to work on in the three and a half, four years that I spent in the film industry. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, the one that came out a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, flew to Hawaii and worked on that for a couple of weeks, which is absolutely amazing. And when I say work in the film industry, it was cut, color, shade, focus, and direct light. So anytime you're looking at a particular show or a movie or whatever, uh, the way that overall, the the feel of that scene is, is usually created by the lighting. It's created by the, the feel of that scene, which you're mm -hmm. looking at created by the lighting. So that was what we did. <laughs> but I also worked on stuff like The Banker with Samuel L. Jackson, Anthony Mackie, Nicholas Holt. Uh, I did Facebook's first ever series series called uh, Queen America with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, so did a lot of really cool stuff in the three and a half, four, four years I was there. The pandemic hit. And you know, bye-bye jobs. That's kind of, you know, everything stopped for about six months or so, if not more, in the film industry here in Atlanta. Uh, and that's where I'm located, by the way, is Atlanta. Uh, and I needed something else to do. And I finally saw the opportunity uh, to step into the legal side of cannabis. And let's now jump back about 40 six years at this point, and I'll, sh I'll tell you why this is sort of a, a big deal. So I have 22 family members that are either current or former military veterans. When they were coming back from Vietnam, we had massive PTSD issues in my family. We didn't know it was PTSD back then. Nobody knew what the hell that was. Mm -hmm. But when your uncles are jumping behind a couch or a chair or into the bushes when a helicopter flies over, now, according to my mother, <laughs> uh, we know that's PTSD, right? So from my earliest childhood memories, my family got together to smoke weed. It was something that was completely normalized. From my earliest moments of life, it was my dad, my uncles, my aunts, you know, family friends mm -hmm. smoking. Weed was always around. It was always a part of life. Not a big deal. I never thought anything of it. I also lived with an indigenous stepfather for nine years. He was a consumer. And let's just say I saw some plants around the house. I ended up helping to pay for my college education by running pounds from Atlanta, Georgia, down to Georgia Southern University for years and became a daily consumer in 1995 for a lot of different health reasons. And I also played college volleyball and learned very quickly that it helped with the swelling in my feet, the soreness in my muscles and my shoulders, that kind of stuff. So uh, I realized back then why my family consumed when I was little. Mm -hmm. So very long, big cycle there that weed was always in my life from the earliest moments all the way up through my college, getting my college education. And then that's when I went into, you know, the 14 years of uh, hell. 
in the corporate world. So fast forward again, uh, a couple of years ago after or once the pandemic hits, I get an opportunity to step into the legal side of the industry and bring my knowledge, passion, love, consumption, belief in the plant, mix it with my corporate side and sort of throw my own quirky personality on top of things and started to sort of build a voice, I guess, within the industry. And really it was about supporting people and coming in as um, someone positive, uplifting, that understands the plant and what it's here for, you know, that kind of stuff. And in doing so, I wanted to basically one day I, I figured out a way to speak to my growing network in a much more broad sense. And that was through media, mm -hmm. through like a magazine or something, right? So I was sitting on my couch one night, baked as normal, and started to create on my phone and came up with fat nugs. I mean, so where does fat nugs come from? Um, it's our stoner vernacular, right? It's that's a fat joint, that's a fat blunt, that's a fat sack, those are fat nugs. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Made sure no one else had it. I was good mm -hmm. to go. So started to uh create in a way that was very, from my point of view, um stoner culture, but in a way that I saw it as when I was growing up, which was much more real, I guess, not so much in the very colorful, mm. uh, drippy style things that you see these days. Don't get me wrong. I incorporate all of that stuff into what we do here. But it was um, the idea here was to sort of, and I hate to say this, but um, sort of elevate the, the stoner artwork, I guess, that I would want to release. And make it friendly, period. Mm -hmm. And that's something that people could connect with. And so once I built the first one or created the first one, again, this is just a cover, right? I post it on Friday. I call it Fat Nugs Friday. And it has a, a couple of different uh, titles for mm -hmm. possible articles on there. And that was my way of getting people to stop scrolling for just a second on LinkedIn because it's a lot of black and white text on on LinkedIn. Right. There's there's not a whole lot of really cool fun stuff, or there there wasn't a couple of years ago to look at. Well, there's always good pictures of big fat colas and and nice nugs and um, you know stuff, but there's never you don't see a whole lot of artistically pushed things on LinkedIn. Just not one of those things you see. So I figured that if I did this right. When people were scrolling in my network, uh, they would stop for a second. And then at that point, I got you. I got you with what I have that's on that front cover. And I would put titles on there that would hopefully get people to talk, be interested in talking about something. And it worked. I didn't know that it was going to do what it was going to do. Just that first one, it blew up. Um, so much so that I couldn't even catch up to the DMs in LinkedIn. I was scrolling. I was like, holy shit, what is going on here? And I had people asking me, how do I buy this? Where is this? How can I get my hands on this? Can you send this to me? Where do I read these articles? Like that kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I was completely blown away by that. I had no intention of that being what would happen. I had no idea. It was just me having some fun, wanting to talk to my network in a more broad sense, period. That was it, just to have some fun. Mm-hmm. I'd had a lot of fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. The next Friday, again, I called it Fat Nugs Friday, released another one that I created throughout the week. And it did it again. And after just the third one, I had multiple cannabis media companies reach out to me and say, I would love, we would love to bring this in-house. And my response was, bring what in-house? This isn't real. This isn't a magazine. This is just me having some fun, no mm-hmm. pressure, um, wanting to interact with my network. And they quickly made me realize, um, along with several other people that I was having conversations with, that we were filling or I was filling a gap. And that is sort of the gap that publications from our younger years um, kind of, you know, where they sat within this space. So, you know, the obvious one is high times. And this publication really comes from three things, three other publications in my life. So when I was young, I I was a, a skater punk. So Thrasher magazine was everything, mm. right? So seeing a dude, we open it up, you got a double page layout of a dude doing a McTwist in your face. And you're like, holy shit, I want to be that dude, right? I want to be able to do that. I could never do a McTwist. I would kill myself. But, you know, hey, I, I got an ollie or two here and there. <laughs> but anyway, I was a, I thought I was a skater punk. Let's just say that. Um, so Thrasher magazine was super dope. Uh, I remember walking through grocery stores with my mom. And seeing Mad Magazine and that big-eared, red-haired, freckled, goofy-looking dude on the front cover and always being super enthralled and, and, and wanting to – and curious about that magazine. And they had things in it like Spy vs. Spy, and you could fold pages, and it would create a new scene in the fold and stuff like that. So it was always really interactive and cool. And something I always remember, and even to this day, I follow Bad Magazine and uh, uh, Thrasher on Instagram. I follow them on social media. The third publication is High Times, you know, early High Times, 70s, 80s, early 90s. If you had, when I was a teenager, if you got your hands on a High Times, you were a fucking cool dude, period. You were a badass. That was just how it was. It was there were a couple of things in my teenage years that you got your hands on. Playboy being one of them, I think we all know that. High Times being another, you know, it. it um, that's where I think fat nugs. I think my excitement and enthusiasm and realizing mm-hmm. I get to do all of those things that I absolutely loved as a kid. I get to do them now. I get to create those things sort of in my own way. So. Learning that I was and realizing that I was basically filling a gap that High Times and other publications within the industry have, have have kind of created, whereas it's very much corporate style stuff. It's very much kind of mouthpiece stuff. It can be uh, pay-to-play things, and I just don't do those types of things. I, I've never been that way. I come from a you know large military family background. We've always been poor. I've moved many times in my life, never had any real money or anything like that. So my people, those, those are my people. That's where I come from. 
So the whole corporate side of things doesn't really sit well with me when it comes to cannabis. It just doesn't. So I focus on small mom and pop equity legacy veteran uh, veteran and women owned businesses and voices, which are really, if you think about it, the true backbone of the industry itself. Um, that's where cannabis comes from. Uh, you know, the corporate style of cannabis that exists today was never a thing. Um, and I don't believe it will ever truly be, um, you know, something that's connected to the community and culture of cannabis. Um, it, it, it isn't right now. It's very, very far from it. And even though mainstream media would have you believe and some media in in cannabis itself will have you believe that these massive corporate cannabis companies are the ones leading things in this space. That's just simply not true. I think we, we in the industry actually know that when your company's losing billions, <laughs> you're not leading anything except for, you know, the fleecing of your, uh, of, of the people that believe in you and that are throwing money at you as your investors. So that's what you're leading is a, uh, a, you're leading a pirate ship basically is what you're doing. So we focus on uh, really supporting as much as possible the backbone of this industry. Uh, and that is the community part of this industry because cannabis has always been about community. That's just how it is. It's, you know, our caregivers and our home growers, um, you know, our, our small mom and pop farmers are have always been here. Um, they will always be here. And they are the ones that have led us here. So I think having a publication that serves that community as much as possible um, just makes sense. And we're known as, or this is how I like to explain who we are. Uh, we're a global perspective of cannabis and stoner culture as a bridge to the rest of the world. And that's how I explain what Fat Nugs Magazine is. Again, global perspective of cannabis and stoner culture as a bridge to the rest of the world. So what does that mean? So I can talk to you all day long about weed. I can talk to my buddies all day long about weed. We can, um, you know, have hours upon hours of conversations and smoke sessions and all that kind of stuff. That's easy for us to do. And having those conversations with the publications and the things that we release, because we're not just a magazine, by the way, we are a full on media company. We can get into some of that, but we release new articles two, three, four times a week, every week. Uh, we have, you know, that amount of media coming out of here, but, and I totally lost where I was going. Um, yeah, I sure as hell did. So <laughs> I think, you know, the, the best way to uh, really describe what we're doing, where we're going, how we operate is very flexible, um, you know, being is that we are small and supporting small, um, smaller operators, I guess, and medium-sized operators in the space, it makes it so that we have these amazing um, relationships that we're able to develop. Everybody seems to be on the same page. Um, we're all, and I vet anyone and anyone and everyone that comes in and out of this magazine that comes to us, that wants to work with us, that wants to do anything with us. Um, they're connected to this plant. They believe in this plant. These aren't people that are just here to make money because we're not making any money. So, you know, it's love and passion first. We ask our our writers to do things that um, really just around the things that they're passionate about. We want them to have the freedom to write about the things that they love. 
um, because that's where real journalism comes from. Um, we also focus on a lot on art. Um, and now I remember where the hell I was going with that story. So, you know, that that bridge to the rest of the world so I can talk to you and I can talk to our friends. I can we can speak cannabis all day long and through the publication and the things that we release. But when you talk to someone about cannabis that's outside of this industry that doesn't really understand the culture or that have never been a part of the community aspect of cannabis because they don't know what that is. They quickly glaze over when we talk to them about weed, about cannabis, what it can do, its effects, how we love it, what it smells like, tastes like, all of that kind of stuff. People tend to, to glaze over. They really do. So, and, and science and educational stuff is cool, and we do that kind of stuff. Um, it's necessary. We want to educate people, and, and science is always cool. So, there, but there has to be something that connects the outside reader. And that's the personal story part. So yes, science and education, extremely important. But what we do is make sure we run a personal story between all of those things that we release. And that's how we grab your attention. That's why we have the views that we have. That's why we have the readers that we have and the following that we have, because it's real cannabis. It's real stories. It's authentic stuff. People aren't paying us to write about them. We don't do that kind of shit. That's ridiculous. We write about the things that we love and that we're passionate about. So when you are releasing a story or an article or whatever you're, you're pushing, again, science education, great. But as soon as you can throw in that my two-year-old takes a broad-spectrum product at night to control his seizures or my 89-year-old grandmother smokes a big fat joint in her rocking chair for her rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, that's when we win. That's when people stop the glaze over and they're like, oh, shit, wait, did you just say that I could smoke and or I could consume this and you know what I mean? So when you have that connection, that's when you're pulling in the readers that's when you, you know, create the the real connection that you need that so that people will continue to come back and soak up your content. And that's what we focus on here, timely, relevant content. Um, it's not always the most scientific or the most educational. We sometimes put out things, uh, people write all kinds of stuff here, whether it's a personal story or um, they're telling, uh, you know, a, a story about their their grandmother or their mother or their experience with cannabis. But it's also uh, people that have been on the compassion trail um, who now have brands. Uh, we have that kind of stuff here as well. So we do as much as we can from the personal story perspectives all the way to some very business things as well. But we don't focus a lot on the stuffy business aspect. There are a lot of other people that are doing that in this space already. Uh, so we do much more, you know, culture and community focused stuff. It's kind of who we are. Uh, and we do have, when I say a global perspective, I mean that quite literally. We have writers all over the place, Kenya, Scotland, Ireland, um, Spain, Mexico, Canada. I think I'm missing a couple, but we we have a, a, a nice lineup of writers, Amsterdam, uh, a nice lineup of writers that we're, we're able to call on who are here because 
they love being a part of something that is very much cannabis focused, culturally focused, community focused. It's here to be a positive influence within the industry. And having that sort of connection to the community allows us to do things that others can't do in this space. And I think going about it the way that we have, where we are sort of that supportive arm as much as possible and uplifting people all over the place every time I get a chance, um, because it's real, because it's it's necessary, especially when we have other publications and other media outlets pushing some very terrible things in this uh, in this space. We got to have some balance somewhere, dude. So that's what we're trying to do: bring some balance. Yeah, no, I I love that. I I'm still kind of here, sitting here, soaking it all in because that was that was a lot, man. And a, a lot of the things that I wanted to, a lot of the things that I wanted to ask you, you you pretty much just like summed up in one shot, which is which is incredible. And kudos to you and the entire team all around the world just doing what you guys are doing because it's quality work. And I've seen a lot of folks pick up the magazine, not necessarily to, to your point, pick up the magazine because they want to find out, you know, the latest trends per se, but they want to pick it up because it's almost like a piece of art that they want to hold on to and just yeah, quite literally just hold on to it. Like yeah. physically, Hey, I've got this in my hands, but then it's also like, this would be pretty badass to just like post up on the coffee table or like, you know what? I kind of want to just like have this because I feel like one day this is going to be pretty legendary to talk about with like somebody that's coming up like decades and decades and decades after me. So I well, think before I die, dog. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think, I think you guys are definitely, definitely hitting, hitting the mark as far as like what you're aiming for and what you're actually doing and, and putting out into the, into the world. Right on. I appreciate that. And, and I think, you know, I had this same conversation about the, the art uh, portion of this. That was how this thing started, right? It was just yeah. a couple and that's what got your attention. So I do my best every single time we release an edition to make sure that the, the cover itself is representative of who we are, who can what cannabis is, what this community is, what the culture is. And do it in a way that is compelling enough that people do exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. They don't pick it up to read it because a lot of people don't fucking read these days. Let's be honest. They pick it up because it's pretty. They're looking mm -hmm. at it. It's, it's they're, they're like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this. And look. They've never seen anything like it because it's never been around. I mean, have you ever seen a magazine yeah. that looks that's talking about weed that says fat nugs on it. I mean, come on, it just doesn't fucking happen. And, and then here's the, the travel edition. I you love know? that. So do you, do you do the artwork yourself? Like, is that something that's just like close to like you, like that's what it is, or do you have somebody that, that you work yeah, with that does no. that? And that's a great question. When I first started this thing, I did all the art period. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. That was what I focused on. Um, but as we've progressed, Rebecca Jenks, who has been our art director here, um, who is now our internal artist, um, and we also have uh, an associate art director, Isabella Deschard, but everyone, they're all creating as well. Every single person that we have on this team, minus 
one mm. um, is a creator of some sort. All of us use digital and AI stuff, tools to be able to create with. Um, and throughout the magazine, it's a lot of people think that it's just AI. It's not. We have real photos. We have, we've had drawings. We've had actual real drawings in the magazine. We use AI, we use digital art. And a lot of times, so for instance, this is a combination of myself, of, of Rebecca and myself. So a lot of times we'll do a base AI piece and add things to it digitally, right? We mm -hmm. go in, change colors, update things, put things on, take things away, all of that kind of stuff. So the basic things that you see here, like the van itself, the road, uh, a little bit of the background, is the general AI piece. From there, mm -hmm. the extra clouds, all of the balloon work, all of that, all of the uh, bumper stickers and all of the coloring, all of the, the pride coloring, all the pride flag, all of that stuff is the digital art that goes on top that mm -hmm. I'm responsible for. So it's a combination of all of us. It's a pure team effort for the most part. Um, a lot of it has been done by Rebecca and myself for the past three editions or four editions, I believe. Um, and I foresee that being the, the way going forward because it's just a winning combination, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask too. So there's a lot of different components to the to the publication, how you've sort of teed it up to take shape in the market, in the community, and how people perceive it. What I'm curious is, along that entire journey and then leading up to today, so far, what have you found to sort of be the key in building such a strong foundation for Fat Nugs for it to be able to resonate with people so well? Because there are a lot of publications out there. I haven't seen many resonate with the with the the true community as well as Fat Nug. So I'm just kind of curious, like what what do you think is kind of like one of those foundational keys that sort of worked out well for you guys? Yeah, it's just being authentic. It's actually understanding. It's when so I was born into the plant. That's mm. that's I think is sort of a big difference here. I, I look at the plant as as everything. It's been a part of every single part important part of my life. Every day it's been around. So everything that we do is around the plant. It's the plant first. So in doing that, that means you're connected to the community, hopefully automatically, as long as you're not a prick, right? right. So it's about plant first and then supporting the community as much as possible. It's what you will never see here is that pretentious me, me, me crap. Everything here is about uplifting someone else. That's, that's what cannabis is. That's where the community is. That's what the culture is about. It's about helping others, right? It's about respecting each other. It's about respecting where we came from, the people that got us here, all of that stuff. So the, the key thing is just being authentic to that. And that's not hard to do. It's just being ourselves. It's 
we get to wake up every day. And that's why I, you and I had this conversation before we you know, started mm-hmm. the podcast. Uh, it, it's just I enjoy waking up because I get to be myself for the first time ever in my life. You know, I was never able to be um, real in a professional setting before. And the moment I was able to do that and mm-hmm. actually be myself and talk about cannabis and talk about weed and talk about smoking and share uh, my history and background with the plant and photos of people smoking and me smoking and being around it and all that kind of stuff. It just made sense. It felt real and right. And I didn't have to do anything extra. I could just be me. So to answer your question, it's just one word. It's just authentic. That's it. That's just being authentic. And I think a lot of us in this space, you sort of, you can smell the bullshit from a mile away. You really can. And if you try to come up in this place and and be someone you're not, or try to be, um, you know, an expert in something that you are clearly not, um, you know, being someone who is just an asshole, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. That kind, those two things, being someone you're not and being an asshole, quickest way to um, lose touch with the community real quick. But you can come in here, be your authentic self and help others. That's what it's all about. And we may not make any money here, but I do know that we help others make money, period. I know that for a fact. And you know, we, and I mentioned this to you earlier, we're not just a publication and we're not just a magazine. We have a, 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 a full agency lineup here. We have a full agency capabilities plus here. So all of the digital and programmatic stuff that anyone else can do or any other media company can do or claims they can do, we can actually do, but we do it from inside the industry. And we do it with also a publication. So we have all these different programs that we can run that sort of feed each other. Um, Even though they're separate, they're interconnected, right? But, you know, in doing that, what we are able to do is not only serve the community and and uplift the community and be a part of the community um, in an authentic fashion, and, and the magazine is fun and feels good and it's you know exciting to be a part of and it's cool to turn in your hands and hold and share with others and that kind of shit that's the exciting part of what we do but having the other side where we can actually serve brands and businesses and it pushing to their brands and their products to the right people the right audience because we have the current largest active opt-in cannabis consumer list in the world here at Fat Nugs. It's huge and growing every day. And we are able to connect. And remember, this is opt-in. So we know they are cannabis consumers. So we're able to connect brands to their exact audience that they look for, that they want, whether it's a 35-year-old male who lives in California, has a college education, makes $100,000 a year and drives a Honda. We can actually literally pull that information from our data set and create a list for that brand to be able to, you know, use 
So we've become a vehicle for brands and businesses to get their message out. So we're able to support them in a way that really no one else can in this space through the digital programmatic, you know, retargeting, all of that kind of stuff. And I posted some numbers uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, that proves what are, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing. And then you take that side, mix it with the publication itself, where you get, you know, the community and culture and authentic side of cannabis. And it's a really potent mix and a really cool business that we're growing and building here. So we're able to, and even though we're not making any real money here yet because we're super young, um, I mean, we've only been around a year. It's something where we know we're serving the community and we're bringing other things that actually help brands and businesses in this space. And we're not just trying to make a buck here. Mm -hmm. We want to make a difference. So this is the one thing that I tend to tell people how you can compare what we can do these days, what Fat Nugs as a business can actually do, not just the magazine itself. If you are familiar with Hearst Media, <clears throat> which is a fairly large media company, and they've been around for a very long time, Anslinger and William Randolph Hearst were friends. How they started that, uh, how they started uh, uh, Hearst Media was through reefer madness shit. So <laughs> what's crazy, and you can look all this up, what's crazy is that the cannabis industry right now spends millions of dollars a month using Hearst Media. It's insane to me. We can actually do everything Hearst Media can do, but we do it from inside the industry with an actual opt-in cannabis consumer list that no one else has. And we're not shotgunning stuff, right? We're not spraying and seeing what sticks. We're not throwing shit on the wall, that kind of stuff. So what eventually will happen is as we continue to share numbers, and as I continue to have these conversations, as well as my team, people will begin to realize what we can actually do. And it's much more than just the magazine itself. It's much more than cool fucking art and great journalism. We are an actual vehicle for the industry to use right now to be able to get the word out about their brand and their products to the real cannabis consumers around the country, period. We have 23, 22. No, there's 23. I think we have almost 22 of the current 23 um, full legalized states mapped. So we have a very, very large list that we can use to help this industry. So lots of cool stuff that we can do. And, and hopefully um, over the next year or two, we'll be able to, I, I, I like to think that, you know, the overall goal here is to bring the plant into its rightful place into society, using this publication, having these amazing conversations, spreading the plant, that kind of stuff. But ultimately, we do that by tipping the scales that we're currently working with. And we have government and you have um, certain organizations and really corporate cannabis on one side of that scale. And the, the small mom and pop equity legacy veteran and women, mm -hmm. the backbone on the other side. 
I want to continue to press on that other side with the backbone so that we can even some things out here and uh, and really make this industry fair, equitable, you know, inviting, um, trustworthy, inclusive, those types of things. So that when you when you have conversations about our industry, it's those are the things that come up. Those are the things that come to mind. Um, that's what I would like to see. Yeah. And I think, I think the louder that gets and the louder and the more eyeballs and attention and awareness that publications like fat nugs get, because I don't know that, I don't know that some of those giant conglomerates are ever going to necessarily go away just because the funding is always going to be there. So that's a given, but I think over time, the publications like fat nugs are going to overshadow or at least make it very difficult for them to be able to, you know, play that seesaw game and just completely take over the truth in the community and and the core of what really even got us here to begin with. So there's, I totally, I totally hear you on that. A hundred percent. There's always a place for the Walmarts of the world, right? That's, you know, Bingo. the booth growers of the world, um, the, the booth creators of the world, they're going to have their place. That's, that's totally, yeah. you know, but we want to make sure that, you know, the, and, the the backbone of this of this industry, the community and culture side of this, has just as much pull um, as that other side, uh, because we deserve it. Why not? You know, we've been in this space for a very long time. We're now fighting against people that want to control the space that have never really been connected to this plant. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That have been shutting down the plant too. If you want to take it one step further, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of a weird uh situation to be in the industry is relatively odd to operate in but at the same time i've met some of the coolest people i've ever met in my entire life in this industry just over the past couple of years Um, i've had more fun doing this building this working with these dope ass people over the past couple of years than i've had in my entire life doing anything else so i'm not going anywhere the walmarts of the world aren't going anywhere Hopefully I'll get a lot fatter to step on that scale and make a, um, you know, a bigger dent in, in, in helping. So that's, um, that's the goal, man. We'll see what we can do. Hell yeah. All good things, man. I wanted to ask you, I know we're, we're coming up on, on time here, but I did want to ask you one last thing. And that was you bit, you've played a lot of different roles in a lot of different industries. What would you say is like the one, and no pun intended, I always ask guests this to wrap up a show, but what's the one golden nugget that you feel like you've got by being in the cannabis industry that you feel like you wouldn't have learned if you always worked in a traditional space? You know, I think it's learning. I think the one nugget that I've gotten by being here and being able to work in this space. Yeah. Um, is just realizing that I was never fully myself ever, Mm. you know, being in this space means you get to realize who you are as a true stoner. And what, what that means is we're always fighting against something. We're pretending that we aren't someone or, or like something to fit in so that we can make money somewhere, right? Doing something for someone else or whatever. Being in this space allows a true stoner to be themselves fully. And that's a nugget that I've never had anywhere else (laughs) in any other position, um, place, company, organization, anything that I've ever done. 
I've always felt uncomfortable, out of place, like I didn't fit in. This is the place, this subculture that has always been here has where I where I've always lived. It's where I've always fit in. It's I am the blunt rolling fucking guy. That's who I've always been. I roll blunts and it makes and I'm cool with that. I fit in perfectly here. Nobody hates me for that. <laughs> Nobody cares. I can roll a blank. Great. There's a thousand other people in the room that can do that too. I'm just a normal dude and it's fucking great. And that feels awesome. So it's a, that nugget that you speak of is yeah. I was, I was never able to truly realize who I was as a, a business person because, and as just a normal person as well, operating within a business because I didn't care about the things that I was doing. I hated the things that I was doing. I hated the people that I was doing it for. Um, never fit in, never felt comfortable, always had anxiety and all that, all that stuff. When I got into this space and started to finally share who I was wholly, um, that was, it was a complete game changer, dude. Complete. Mm -hmm. Because I get on calls now and, you know, when you're on calls, people, at least in the corporate side of things, it's always, you know, let me let me button up my, my thing and make sure I look very professional and sound very professional. And yes, I had a great day today, James. Thank you very much for asking and all that. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. Yeah. Here I can. Hey, dude, it's good to see you, man. What the fuck you been up to? I mm. hadn't been. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And it's just being your normal self. So that nugget is just realizing that being my normal self is good enough. I didn't ever have to be anyone else. And when I realized that being myself was the value that I bring uh, to this business, to this industry. It made all the difference in my life every single day. I am no longer on medications or any of that shit. Yeah. That's, that's huge, man. Yeah. That's huge. Well, dude, Dustin, thank you. Thank you, brother, just for coming on and taking the time. I know, I know we pretty much just almost went the full hour, but Dude, I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. This was a long time coming. Um, kudos to you and your entire team over at Fat Nugs for doing what you guys do. And please don't stop. The quality is definitely worth the work that you guys are putting in. So for people Thanks. who want to check it out themselves, I'll be sure to link to it and tag to it in the uh, in the description below. But uh, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, first of all, thank you. Definitely appreciate all the kind words, brother. That's um, very cool of you. And thanks for having me on. Uh, Anybody that wants to get a hold of me anytime, LinkedIn, I'm always on LinkedIn. Uh, my notifications are turned on for uh, on LinkedIn because that's where I built this magazine. It just makes sense. Um, you can also, and that's just the, you can find me at Dustin Hawksworth on LinkedIn or the Fat Nugs magazine has a LinkedIn as well. Um, I actually run both of them at times. <clears throat> and then Instagram, uh, fat underscore nugs underscore mag. And then uh, Dustin at fatnugsmag.com is my email. So feel free to reach out anytime. All right. Well, you guys heard it. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments 
many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.